welcome to our 18th day in the second season of Shaped by the Word. We've entitled the drama of Scripture as we uh, go through the narrative passages of Scripture and watch the story unfold before us, observing God's faithfulness and uh, His move toward us, His pursuit of us, all the way through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the story opens with this choice of Israel uh, through the person of Abraham, and through Israel will come uh, a king, like the greatest king of Israel after God's own heart, one like David who will sit on his throne forever and will rescue his people and fulfill all of his promises. So we know from Paul and Corinthians that whatever the promises of the Old Testament are, whether they are to Abram or to David or to the people of Israel themselves in Christ, the answer to us is yes. And to that we say amen. So I'm Paul Camp here with David Keefe, Matt Kresge, and Cindy Kemp, and we continue in our journey through Genesis. God has just made an incredible promise, you know, to uh, Abram. He's bound himself to him in a, in a covenant ceremony, a solemn covenant ceremony, where God himself uh, is to take the punishment for the unfaithfulness of, uh, of Abraham or any covenant partner that he has. And we see the impatience you know, of Abram in chapter 15, and now we see the impatience of Sarah in chapter 16 as both of them wait and, and even kind of manipulate uh, God's promises in the hope to help him fulfill mm-hmm. what he has already promised he will fulfill. So we come to chapter 16 before we do. Uh, Matt, why don't you lift us up with a word of prayer? Yeah. Father, we, we draw near to you uh, in confidence knowing that that we're accepted because of what Christ has done. Uh, we praise you, Father, for um, for who you are. Uh, you are holy, good, merciful, just, and, and you're a God who hears and sees. And so, Father, we ask as we um, spend time in Genesis 16 uh, today that you would encourage our hearts, remind us that you're a God who um, not only is sovereign over all things, but a God who delights to draw near. Um, and so, Father, um, encourage our hearts Comfort us in truth. Um, be with us as we read together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Genesis 16. Nasera, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. She said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. And Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that was beside the road to shore. And he said to Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she said. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and every hand, everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all of his brothers. 
She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For he, she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Ber Laha Roy. It is still there between Kedesh and Barad. So Hagar bore Abram a son. Then Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son he had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. We feel for Sarah. Um, she seems to be very frustrated in this passage. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lord has not allowed me to have children. And when Hagar has children, Abram, you've put me in this predicament. And you can see on all sides, you know, how her frustration and her desire, you know, to have a kid, to hold a kid, uh, you know, to have a kid called her own leads her uh, to run a little bit ahead of the Lord's promise here. And she does so uh, like many times when we do with disastrous uh, results but we also see again God's compassion in the middle of the mess and uh, we see God revealing himself to a Egyptian slave and uh, she comes to know you know the Lord God of, uh, of Abram as the one who sees me uh, of all people in the world an Egyptian slave living in a foreign land nobody you know thinks much of me even in the house of Abram much less you know uh, in all the world but here is a God who sees me and who cares for me and meets me exactly where I am. It's interesting because we have yesterday's chapter and then today's chapter. It seems as though we have this kind of ongoing theme of belief and lack of belief. And that uh, I would even say sin being rooted in that lack of belief when we aren't trusting in either God's promises or his goodness or thinking that he's holding out. We certainly run ahead and have our own plan or program and... um, doesn't end well usually, but uh, but yeah. Sarah's kind of done that. She's had a, just a lapse in, in belief. In chapter fifteen, yeah. it doesn't you know uh, the unbelief is is present, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't lead to sin. And, right. You know, in that particular chapter, here the unbelief is is present and it leads to presumption, uh, and, and of course the presumption you know leads you know leads you know to disaster. So uh, Abram is, is sensing a, a lack of trust and needs reassurance. Uh, Sarah's sensing a lack of trust and needs to th- see things happen on her timetable and she makes them happen and of course when she makes them happen she's no longer trusting in the promises of God mm-hmm. and that never happens to us right? <laughs> no, so. this, uh, we, uh, <laughs> I'm really feeling uh, this <laughs> no again we, you know, we are very impatient people and mm-hmm. we, we want immediacy in God's promises and we want all of our circumstances to to be good circumstances and uh, we feel like we we're, were deserving of only the best because we you know have trust in him and and little do we realize that you know God is molding us and uh, in these times where he is calling on us to wait for him or to trust him in the middle of our difficulty and, and, and when we don't we usually you know live to regret it as you know Sarah will mm-hmm. in this you know uh, immediately in this passage and throughout this passage. This is not going to be something that uh, quits haunting Sarah you know, during her lifetime or something that quits haunting the nation of Israel yeah, through yeah, its true. entire existence. Mm-hmm. I think these passages also remind us that we just don't know what to do with our sin. You know, we mm-hmm. we shift blame, we blame others. We, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if you go back to Abram when they enter into Egypt for the first time, you know, mm-hmm. and he formulates this thing of, you know, hey, let's if someone asks, you're my sister. You know, and, mm-hmm. I mean, did did Hagar come from some of the riches they received from Egypt? I, we don't. I mean, we don't know. 
you know, but I mean, what we're seeing played out time and time again is even mm-hmm. in that moment, you know, it's just kind of like Abram's thinking, well, this is what, you know, we thought it would be wise to do this, that I could manufacture this, and I didn't see that coming. You know, here mm-hmm. Sarah tries to manufacture something, and rather than owning up to her sin mm-hmm. and, and and then kind of going back and believing the Lord and, and receiving his um, forgiveness, she begins to blame, and, and mm-hmm. we're just like you know, Sarah and Abram. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, this is you know, a repeat you know, of, of the garden in which right. mm-hmm. uh, Adam, when confronted by God, you yeah. know, blames Eve. Eve, when confronted by God, you know, blames you know, the enemy. We all have a hard time reckoning with our own sin. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's because we failed to understand the depth of the mercy of the God that we serve, mm-hmm. that we cannot comfortably come into his presence and admit to him what he already knows so that we receive grace rather than you know, try to hide and to cover uh, cover ourselves, and so you see a repeated pattern, you know, of sin, you know, throughout Scripture, you know, here as well. And how reassuring, though, to see that even in the middle of all of our sin, where you know Sarah's kind of taking the plan in her own hands, Abraham's kind of saying, "Hey, it's your slave; do whatever you want." Hagar feels unseen; she's mistreated. There's there's injustice, there's division, there's animosity, and all this going on, and yet none of it derails the plan of God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And all of this sin and all of this kind of craziness where you think, oh my gosh, surely this has gone too far and mm-hmm. how can this be recovered? It, it's all within the plan of God and mm-hmm. we have a deep assurance. As, as he's already told us in chapter 15 that he's the one that's put this covenant onto himself. Despite our faithfulness, he stays faithful. And so right after that promise, we see the tons of unfaithfulness by God's people, mm-hmm. um, which is deeply sad and and we just be reminded of our own unfaithfulness, but in that we see the faithful covenant keeping of our God. Well, it is such a picture of dysfunction, and we're all dysfunctional, broken people, so this is no different. You have to like the, the well, and Berlaha Roy, um, the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful admission on the part. Uh, whenever uh, Whenever we meet, uh, you know, the angel, it's called the angel of the Lord, but uh, Hagar knows she's had through the angel of the Lord an encounter with the, the living God. I love how the Lord shows up to her, the angel of the Lord. You know, verse 8, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so many, so reminiscent to the question that Jesus asks of our own hearts. And I mean, he knows where she's coming from and where she's going. But I don't know if Hagar knows what she's going to do, you know. And, and so you get that that question that just probes our hearts. And how many times does the Lord show up and and you see Jesus, you know, Sir, what do you want me to do for you, you know, Daughter, what do you want me to do for you? Yeah. And and just the the probing. And some of you have pointed out because of the very nature of these questions. And sometimes you meet the angel of the Lord, and you know, Hagar will say, you know, Surely I saw the Lord. Yeah, you know, was this a, a pre-incarnate, you know? moment where jesus shows up and speculation david can answer that later but um i mean it's just fun to see uh, this is the heart of the lord towards his his people that he hears and he sees and he knows mm-hmm. um things don't don't surprise him things don't escape you know, and and the the deep places of, of our hearts you know i mean we may see outward mm-hmm. manifestations of hurt by you know that people are experiencing but we may not see the deep inward uh, manifestations of those but but God does. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's uh, how God addressed Adam. Adam, where are you? 
Yeah. Uh, you've been walking in the garden with me in the cool of day. You know, where, where are you coming from? You know, Hagar, and where are you going? You know, what, what is your plan here? Mm-hmm. Because I have a plan for you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to be hard, but it, it'll be ultimately a blessing. And even the blessing, you know, will uh, be in a son who's, uh, who is kind of a wild uh, child in every way. She knows that uh, he he will live and she will live and he'll have many heirs and he will certainly leave his uh, mark in you know, mark in history and it is a, a beautiful promise. Well, I love the name that she does give God when she says, "You are the God who sees me." That's that's a rich statement there too because it um, goes without saying that he is indeed the God who sees us. And as uh, Matt was pointing out a while ago, many people speculate that the the angel of the Lord is um, the pre-incarnate Christ or the manifestation, you know, of God himself. And uh, uh, so that's not anything that we can know for certain, but it is uh, kind of a warm, you know, warm thought that God, when he manifests himself in the flesh, uh, you know, does, does so in the person of Christ, and he may have also done that in the Old Testament in some of these instances as well. Uh, but at the heart of it is, is God is, is able to make himself known in a way that meets us exactly where we are. And uh, Hagar learned this lesson as well. And, of course, it's a, it's a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful, uh, you know, description, again, of the initial expression of that covenant, that it's not just, you know, not just those who are part of Israel, but Hagar is, is the first Gentile that comes under the blessing, or not not necessarily the first Gentile because we, uh, there are others in his house, but is a Gentile who's come under the blessing of God. And you see all the nations of the earth being blessed through Abram and the promise God has given to them. Mm-hmm. Matt, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we again thank you for your word. We thank you that you're a God who sees and hears and knows, a God who comforts uh, when we need comfort, but but also um, convicts us. And Father, we uh, really confess to you that we uh, far too often uh, act like Adam and Eve and Abram and Sarah, and and we blame and, and we point fingers and, and we minimize our sin. Uh, but Father, help us to to turn from from our sin and turn to you, uh, to repent of our sin and and remind ourselves of the grace we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you that you have um, you have conquered our sin. You have done away with it, uh, put it to death at the cross. God, would you anchor um, us in, in the grace of Jesus today? Uh, would our identity be firmly established in the gospel? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.